church kids, you are dismissed at this time. You are dismissed at this time. First John chapter 4, go towards the back and you will find it. First John chapter 4, we will begin at verse number 7. First John chapter 4, beginning with verse number 7. And here is how it reads. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in, the, in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Verse 17, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's go to chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. 
For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the word of the Lord. You may have your seat. Happy New Year. Our God has blessed us to see another year. And for that, I know I am grateful and you ought to be as well. You have heard this multiple times. We say this almost every Sunday. Actually, let me give you my greeting. My name is Brandon Reddick, and I am the lead pastor here at the Bridge Church where we exist to develop fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi-ethnic context. I don't say that over and over because I have nothing else to say. You've heard my sermons. I have plenty to say. <laughs> I say it so that you can get in your heart, in your mind, why we exist as a body of believers. So that when somebody asks you, why do we need another church? Or why does your church exist? What's the purpose of your church? It rolls off second nature to develop fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi-ethnic context. That is our mission. That's what we are trying to do. That's what we are trying to be. That's the mission that Christ has left us as his church. He left it very clearly in Matthew 28. Verse number 19 and 20, go make disciples. A disciple, we've said, we, we've said that a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Christ. Here's the thing, though. How do we know we're being effective at accomplishing our mission? How do we know what a fully devoted follower of Christ really is. What does a disciple look like? I think it's important that we are on the same page regarding the profile, the picture, the portrait of a fully devoted follower of Christ. For those of you who are uh, on Facebook, you know that the first thing you have to do once you create your account is you have to complete your profile. You have to tell them, this is who I am. This is where I've been. This is what I'm currently doing. And so for the next four weeks, what I want us to do is to fill in this profile of a fully devoted follower of Christ. Jesus Christ was one day put to the test. He was put through multiple tests. Just bring, bring me down just a little bit, please. He, 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 he was asked these questions by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were, the goal was to test him. 
They wanted to entrap him so that they could accuse him and arrest him. And Matthew 22 is what I have in mind. And, and so one of the questions that was asked of Jesus during these series of questions was, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus' response to them was, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And there's a second that's like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. We call that the great commandment. And so we say that one of the first characteristics, the first marks, of a fully devoted follower of Christ is to love God and to love others. A fully devoted follower of Christ loves God and loves others. Here is what John writes for us in today's text. He gives us his theses from the very beginning of the section in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. And then he goes out to give us the reason we ought to love one another. First of all, he says we ought to love one another because love is from God. Love comes from God. Love originates in God. The source of love is God. Whoever loves has been born of God. In other words, one proof that you've been born again is that you love well. You really want to know if somebody knows God? See how they love. That's what the text says. He says, not only have they been born of God, but he knows God. You, you, you think you know God? Let, let's, let's just see how you love God and love one another. And, and he says the, anti, the, the, the opposite is true. He says anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. It is the very nature of God to love. It is his essence. What God does, who God is, is love. If you don't believe that God is love, the writer says, let me prove it to you. Verse 9, he says, in this, the love of God was made manifest. In this, the love of God was made evident that God sent his only son. This is how we know that God is love because God sent his only son. And so in this we learn first what we learn about love is that love is just not some funny feeling. But love requires self-sacrifice. Look at the text. It says God sent his only son. This idea of only, it's, remember in John 3, 16, for God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only, God gave it up for the world so that through his death, 
we might live. And so if you don't believe that God is love, the writer says, let me prove it to you. I'm going to take you straight to the cross to show you God's love. So then love is about giving. Love is about self-sacrifice. And God showed us that. He gave his only begotten son so that you and I could have eternal life. He, he, he sacrifices, he gives. But in verse 10, he says, let me show you the purpose for which, for which he gave his son. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means to avert wrath and be shown mercy. Friends, the Bible says that before Christ, all of us by nature are children of wrath. By nature, what we deserve is eternal condemnation and eternal damnation. All of us, by nature, we deserve, we are under God's wrath. Nature means, it explains why you do what you do. You do what you do because of who you are. You are who you are. By nature, you are a sinner. And because you are a sinner, you sin. And we know that, according to the word of God, the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. That's what you, so, 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 so he says that God is love, and you want to see how much God loves you? The penalty you deserve, the punishment you deserve, the death you deserve, he gave his only son. And so here's what the writer is doing. He's saying the reason we ought to love one another is grounded in the very gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel that motivates us. It is the gospel that propels us to love others. So love, friends, is to give at the cost of oneself without the expectation of reciprocity. That means I'm going to give because I love you and I'm not going to expect anything from you in return. And this is what God does. So the reason, according to the writer, is the reason we ought to love one another simply is because we've been born of God and because we've been born of God, we, 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 he has passed on to us some of his nature, which is love. So we ought to love one another because God is love, and we too have been born of God. But secondly, not only should we love one another because God is love, but we also, we love one another because God lives in us. Starting in verse number 12. Beloved, if God so loved us, we all also, excuse me, number 12, no one has ever seen God. 
If we love one another, God abides in us. His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Now, one of the things you have to remember is that the reason John writes these epistles is because he wants, the first, the first epistle is, he wants his readers to have assurance. He wants them to know that they know that they know that they know that they are saved. He wants them to be sure of their salvation. And he says one way that you can be sure that you are really saved is by how you love. One way that you can know that you are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost is how you love. He says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God is in him. And he is in God. We are united. We are one with God now. Verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Friends, that's what we need in this community. We need to know and believe that God loves us. One of the things that breaks my heart as your pastor is for you to see, it's for, for me to see you be so ungracious to yourself. One of the things that breaks my heart it's to see you live by law and not by grace. Some of you are harder on yourselves than God is. Now, I want us to hate sin. Amen. What, what, what God hates, we ought to hate, and he hates sin. But God has dealt with our sin through his son, Jesus Christ, and he stands ready to forgive. The Bible says that whoever confesses their sin, he is faithful and just to forgive them their sin. Some of you in this room, though, you sin, and you think there's no room for you at God's table anymore. You think you've been cast out of the family. You live with the guilt and the burden of your past and your sin. I just want you, one of my prayers for you is that you would know and believe that God loves you. His love for you, according to the writer, was most exemplified, demonstrated at the cross of Jesus Christ. I've seen y'all, how much y'all love y'all children. Oh, y'all love y'all children. Sometimes even get on my nerves how much y'all love them. 
Some of y'all have a nervous breakdown if your kid bumped their toe. Imagine what it was like for God the Father to see his son up on the cross, his son with nails in his hands. Do, do this for yourself real quick because y'all not getting this thing. You, you picture your child, your future child, on a cross with big stakes in their hands, nails in their feet, a crown of thorns on, on his head. You picture your child up there who has been beaten, battered, scorned, spit upon, flesh ripped out of their body because they were being whipped. And at the cross, we see how much God loves you, how the, the, the depths that he's willing to go to to save you, to be forgiven. So what I want more than anything is for some of you to just to know and believe the love that God has for you. Even when you go astray, Even when you pray for things you shouldn't have and you keep coming to him and coming to him and asking for those things, God says, all right, I'm going to give this to you. And you go off and you act like he, he no longer exists, like he's not that important to you in your life, and you find yourselves sopping with pigs. It's the prodigal son that I'm referring to. You have to come to yourself. The father stands with arms wide open to welcome you back home. Friends, I just want you to know and believe that God loves you. And so who, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. So we come and know and believe that God, the love that God has for us. Friends, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. God loves us. God is love. God lives in us. But also, because the God, the, the love of God has been made complete, full in our hearts and in our life, because the love of God has been perfected, we also love one another. Verse 17, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Friends, at the cross, we see the love of God. But at the cross, we also see the wrath of God. We see how heinous sin is to a most holy God. We see the judgment of God poured out on his only son because of sin. And friends, there's a day coming where Christ is going to come back as judge. There's going to be a day where we will sit, stand before the Bema seat. We're going to stand before Christ on his judgment seat, and he's going to judge between the, the righteous and the unrighteous. And what a day that will be, friends. And for those who have not been saved from the wrath of God, this will, 
be the worst day of your life. For those who have, whose sins have not been forgiven, you will enter to a state of conscious torment for eternity. Because sin has to be punished. God, in order to be true to himself, has to deal with sin. We get this. We are people. We Listen. One of the things that I have to deal with, a constant theme in my household that I hear from my kids is, but that's not fair. I never have sit down with my, my children and taught them what fairness is. They innately have a sense of hmm, justice. That's what we mean when we say something's not fair. We're saying give us justice. That's because we've been created in the image of God. And a part that one of the attributes of God is that he is just. So because God is just, because God is righteous, he has to deal with those who has broken his law. And so he has to, he, he, God is love, but God is also a judge. We don't hear a lot about that in the church today. We hear a lot about the love of God and, and, and praise be. But he's also the judge of all the world. And he's a just judge. He gives everyone what they really deserve. And then he gives uh, 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 what, what those who, ha who are sinners and have not been redeemed from their sins, he gives them what they deserve, punishment. He gave you what you deserve. He just put it on his son. So there is a day of judgment coming, friends. But the good news, according to the writer, is we don't have to fear. Help me, Holy Ghost. I said there's a day of judgment coming. Let, let, let's rewind and press play. <laughs> there's a day of judgment coming. And that day of judgment, for those who have not been forgiven of their sins, they will spend eternity in conscious torment. I said there's a day of judgment coming. And those who have not been forgiven of their sins, they will be punished. They will spend eternity in conscious punishment, torment. But the text says, for those who have been loved by God, there is no reason to fear this day of judgment. For those who have been loved by God, we can have confidence in the day of judgment that we won't receive punishment, 
because the punishment that we deserve has been put on our one by our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer, our Advocate, Jesus Christ. And so we have no reason to fear. Why? Because we are loved by God. There is no fear in love. Friends, here's what the writer is teaching us. He's teaching us simply that love and fear cannot coexist. Let me put a parenthesis, that's a bracket, parenthesis in this sermon and give you some good marital advice. Love and fear cannot coexist. Some of the, one of the reasons some of us don't communicate with our spouse like we all do is because we fear how they're going to react, what they're going to say, how they're going to behave. Love and fear cannot coexist. So if it does exist, it, maybe there's two things, that's, one of two things is happening. One, maybe husbands, we are not loving our wives as Christ has loved the church. Well, on the other hand, maybe we don't see really how much we are loved by our covenant partner. Love and fear cannot coexist. When I had the worst, when Connie and I were going through the worst part of our marriage, our counselor showed to us very clear, y'all are both fearful of different things. But y'all are fearful of one another. And he brought me to this verse. He says, Brandon, the text says, the Bible says that there is no fear in love. And so you can be completely transparent and honest and vulnerable to your wife. That was free. So we don't have to fear the day of punishment because we are loved by God. The love of God means that God has rescued me from the destiny of hell I deserve. Oh, gosh. We love because he first loved us. The author is trying to make sure Make, us, make sure we know that we don't love because we're just good people. Because according to the Bible, there is nothing good in us. Sin has totally, make, uh, has totally destroyed us. It's infected every part of our being so much so that we can't love like we ought to without God first putting his love in us. It's all of God. And so in return, because God loves us, we love him. And so, friends, he says this is the reason we ought to love one another. He says, let me show you how preposterous it is to say that you love God, but you don't love your brother. This person is standing, sitting right in front of you. You can see them. You can touch them. If they have a scent, you can smell them. And you're saying you can't love them, but you can love someone that you have never seen. He says, you are a liar. 
And so, friends, as a result, we ought to love one another. We're talking about what's the profile of a fully devoted follower of Christ. Here's what Christ says. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for the other. Christ has already given us the mark or a mark of a disciple love one another. Now I get to get back on that soapbox from a few weeks ago. The writer, see y'all thought I was nuts when I was preaching this last time. The writer connects in the very first verse 7, loving and knowing. Oh, I'm about to go there. The writers connects loving and knowing. Which means then that if I am, we are to love one another, we got to know one another. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you a replay of the sermon from a few weeks ago. I hear all the time, but there are certain people who feel disconnected in our church. And maybe there are some things we can do to help push that along. But you are going to have to take some of the initiative to get to know your brothers and sisters in this local body. When people tell me we have a connection problem in their church, I said, I'm not fully convinced. I told my wife, I said, I don't know if we have a connection problem more than we have a love problem. <coughs> and so I have to wrestle with this myself because y'all know I'm an introvert of introverts. I, I like being alone. That's what, that, it gives me joy. <laughs> But as a fully devoted, as one working to become a fully devoted follower of Christ, I have a biblical responsibility to get out of my introversion and say, hey, what's up? You excommunicated. <laughs> and so here's the thing. This is for free. This is for free. We cannot give our personality traits a reason for us to sin. Wow. We will use these personality tests and all these personality traits and stuff, and we'll say, well, this is who I am. And this is just how I'm going to be. The devil is a liar. You are a child of God. And what God has said, you better obey. And that don't mean all y'all start calling me and texting me trying to get me to come over. No. Remember, not only do I have to love you, but you got to love me too. <laughs> and you know. <laughs> yeah, give me my space. 
Listen, it's as simple as after the service over, instead of running straight out here to catch the Chiefs game, somebody just, just learn somebody's name and their story. It takes all the five minutes. One of the things that I, that, 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 okay, I don't want y'all to feel bad, but one of the things that I'm like, uh, 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 how can I fix this? Some of y'all beat me to that door after service. But you know what Sundays make me the happiest? When I shake about four hands and my wife and I are just waiting. I say, thank you, Jesus. Why? Because that means y'all are talking to one another. You're getting to know one another. Y'all all hanging over here instead of back there. So to love one another, here's my simple point. To love one another, we've got to know one another. Now, y'all, y'all, most of y'all are grown people. I think we set all the kids out. And so I need grown-ups to be grown-ups and figure out ways to make that happen. I can't figure out for everybody in here how you ought to get to know everybody else in the church. I, I, I can't make that happen. You've got to be grown and figure it out. Listen, go catch a cup of coffee with somebody. Meet up for lunch. Call them. Exchange numbers. Well, nobody calls anymore. Text one another. Do something. Y'all figure it out. But this is how we must love one another. And to love one another, we must know one another. But loving one another is not simply just knowing one another. But once we know, we have to get into the messiness of one another's life. God came into the world. What a mess. Heaven, sin-filled earth. And the one thing that we don't like to do is one of the things that we cherish, we won't tell anybody this, I know this about you though, but one of the things we cherish is comfort. And messiness is not comfortable. And so we keep each other at arm's distance, at arm's length, because we don't want to get into the messiness of one another's lives. But that ain't Bible. We're supposed to love one another as Christ has loved us. What did Christ do? He took on our messiness. He put on our sin. Our sin was placed upon him so that we could become the righteousness of God. If we want to be fully devoted followers of Christ, we're going to have to get into the messiness of one, of one another's lives and love one another through our mess. But there's the other side of that. Not only do we need people to get into the messiness of, of, of others' lives, we need you to let us into the messiness of one another's lives. One of the things that I hate about the church at large is how many hypocrites we have in the church. By the way, hypocrite in the Greek is, is a, a two-faced person, somebody that wears a mask. That's what I'm referring to. You, you come in here, you look all good on Sunday and act like you go, uh, got it all together, but as soon as you get in the car, you and your wife, all hell break loose. You are not loving me well when you are showing me somebody that you are not. 
A matter of fact, let me just tell you this. If you have to wear a mask in front of me and act like you got it all together, you ain't loving me well. You are judging me, thinking that I'm going to judge you because of what's going on in your life. Listen, I know what sin looks like, and I already know you're a sinner. So what I'm pushing for is vulnerability, authenticity, dare I say it, honesty, integrity. You got mess, I got mess, all God's children got mess. There it is, it's already out there, I put it out there for you. Let me see if I can give you an example. My wife is... Um, now in Andover. She used to be in Wichita. She has always been in the urban school district, and now she's in Andover. And of course, the suburbs, that's where all the great schools are. That's the myth, right? Right. So, everyone's telling her she gets this new job in Andover. Oh, it's going to be so much better. You're going to be so great. Oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so much more money out there. You won't have to deal with the issues. Here's the one thing that I've learned between Wichita Public Schools and Andover Public Schools. They're both broken. Yeah. Let me say it differently. There's brokenness in, brokenness in both places. Amen. It just looks different. Yeah. One is very public with their brokenness. One hides their brokenness. That's the, that's the only difference. That, that's, excuse me. That's the only difference. What's similar and what's the same? Brokenness. Here's my point. There's brokenness everywhere. Why? Because there's sin everywhere. We live in a sin-infested world. And so to love one another well we have to be willing to say that we're struggling right now. Let me show you. This, this, is what, this is what authenticity, vulnerability looks like. When you come in around a group of your brothers and sisters and you say, my marriage is struggling, I'm contemplating divorce. That's deep. Now, some of us don't want to deal with that because we have no idea what to say to that. And sometimes loving one another doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. Sometimes loving one another is, I'm going to hold your hand, we're going to cry together, and we're going to figure it out together. I may not know the answers, but I can shoot you in the direction of somebody that knows the answers. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to check on you. Because the one thing that we both know is that God designed marriage to be for, for forever. It's an eternal, everlasting covenant. So let's see what we can do to fix this. So that there can be reconciliation. We, that, that's what loving one another looks like. Loving one another means that sometimes I'm going to have to call you out on your sin. I'm trying to get done. <laughs> See, the problem with us is as soon as someone calls out our sin, we start, we get real holy. 
Jesus said, judge not. <laughs> Stop making that excuse for you to keep sinning and feel good about your sin. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. My job as your brother in Christ is to tell you when you're breaking God's heart, when you are breaking God's law, that's my, that's love. I am called to speak the truth <laughs> in love. Don't, don't start trying to quote that verse on me. That makes me so ticked off, wholly ticked off. <laughs> I'm loving you when I tell you, look, that's sin. Stop it. Knock it out. This is loving one another. But loving one another also means you in need, I got you. Because my time's coming when I'm going to need you. So I'm going to lift you up now so you can be strong. Let me tell you something. I've been hard on y'all, so let me give you something good. One of the things that I'm so grateful about as far as the British church is concerned, generally speaking, overall, we are a generous church. Go, that's okay. That's a yes. We do our best to love one another well. But when, when, when one of us is hurting, we say, we, we rush to that person. We try to love them the best we can. But that's what loving one another looks like. Now, here's the thing, though. You in need, because we are the church and we love one another, we're going to help meet that need, but we're going to also make sure that we give you the tools necessary to keep you from being in that need again. Love one another. That was my whole point for the last 20 minutes. We love one another because we've been born of God. We are children of God. And now, that is what makes us so attractional. We don't have to keep throwing block parties every other week to try to attract people to the church. We don't have to give away 50-inch TVs to attract people to the church. Just love one another. It's amazing. I'm always amazed. You know, I'm just kind of old-fashioned, I guess. I try to be biblical. Some people call it old-fashioned. I call it biblical. It's amazing how the church exploded in the book of Acts, and they didn't give away anything. They didn't have block parties. They didn't water down the gospel. They just loved one another and preached the gospel, and it spread like wildfire. So maybe our best evangelistic tool outside of saying the word of Christ on top of that is just simply loving one another. So what is a fully devoted follower of Christ? One who loves God, loves one another. Now, as I close, there's five verses left in chapter five. Not only... Do we love, uh, to love God means to love one another. That's evidence that we love God. But to love God is to obey his commands as well. 
That's chapter 5. To love God is to obey God. Everyone that believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So those who love God put all of their faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. That's what he's talking about when he says that you believe that Jesus is the Christ. That's chapter 5, verse 1. So those who love God treasure Christ. Christ is now your all in all. I surrender my life to him. I believe that he is the son of God who died for my sins, was buried and rose victoriously on the third day. And now I'm putting all of my confidence, dependence, trust, belief, faith on him and him alone to be rescued from that day of judgment. There are verses in the Bible that talk, that, that use this language, obey the gospel. How do you obey the gospel? You believe. And it's a life of constant trust. The just live by faith. And so we obey by believing that Jesus is the Christ. You cannot love God without first receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But not only must you believe Jesus is the Christ, but to love God is to obey God. To love God is to obey his commandments. Jesus told us that in the Great uh, Commission. Go make disciples, verse 20, teaching them to obey. And so we should constantly be growing in our obedience to the commands of Christ. We should be constantly denying our flesh and living by the Spirit. So that's what it looks like to love God. And so the first, the very first mark of a fully devoted follower of Christ is one that loves God and loves one another. I know I love God when, he, when I worship and serve him exclusively. I know that I love God when I'm forsaking idols and I'm repenting of idols in my life. I know that I love God when he takes priority over all people. I love God. And because I love God, I love my fellow man. Matter of fact, I love my neighbor as myself. And so you, you, you want to know why some, why some believers feed the homeless? Because if I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, let me ask you something. What do you do when you're hungry? It's not a trick question. What do you do when you're hungry? So if I'm loving my neighbor as myself and they're hungry, all right, worship team, you can come back.
We are loved by God. And God has shown his love. Here's how Paul put it in the book of Romans. While we were yet sinners. Let's hang out. You ought to hang out there for a moment. To be a sinner is to be an enemy of God. It's to be hostile toward God. It's to be separated from God. And Paul says in the book of Romans, while you were all that, God demonstrated his love for us and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. That's the love of God. He didn't wait until you got your act together. He didn't wait for you to get yourself together, but while you were yet sinners, while there was still hostility between you two, he loved you. And because he loves you, you can love him now. And for somebody in this room today, what you need to do is that your first step in loving God is to believe in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. For somebody else in the room today, you are saved. But you need to meditate this coming week on the love that God has for you. So that you can know that your guilt has been taken care of. For somebody else in this room, you need to up your game in loving your fellow man. So if you're here today, God's word calls for a response. For somebody in here, it's just knowing and believing the love of God has for you. For somebody else in here, it's, okay, you know what my response is? I need to be more obedient in every area of life. With my time, with my talent, with my treasure, with my temple. I need to obey what God ha has already said. So there's knowing, there's believing, there's obeying. There's just simply loving one another. And for all of us, that's something we can do better with, is loving one another. Let's stand.